All right, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to be. So if you want to put a marker there, you can. But I want you to start in Luke chapter 11. So I don't know. Get your fingers stretched out. It might be tough to keep both open. But we're going to start in Luke 11 here in just a few moments. I want to refer to that as we uh, launch into our, our morning this morning, as we continue our series in the Next Steps um, series here. What, what we're looking at this morning is enjoying God's presence. Enjoying God's presence. What does that mean? What does that look like? And what does that look like for our church in particular? So as we talk about enjoying God's presence, uh, we are talking about prayer. We're talking about this incredible gift that God has given to us in prayer. So what I want you to do in the group that you are with, whether that be your family, that could be yourself, that could be somebody sitting next to you, whoever's around you, what I want you to do is come up with, in the next minute or so, come up with what you think a a good definition of prayer is. Because prayer is one of those things we talk about and we just assume we understand. But I want you, where you're sitting, to come up with a textbook definition of prayer. Talk amongst yourselves, define prayer. All right, I'm glad that you have that mastered and now you have a full understanding of what prayer is, so I'm just going to pray and we can go home. <laughs> Amen. No, I think, I think one of the things that we need to remember is that when it comes to enjoying God's presence, defining prayer, although it's very important for us to understand, and we're going to look at that a little bit, we can't get so distracted into coming to a, a fine-tuned definition of prayer that is so incredibly accurate and we have you know, all kinds of bibliographical information that we can back in footnotes and all those things for our definitions and make sure we understand why and when and how we pray and then we never pray. I, I mean this because I love you. I pray that God uses this in your heart and the Spirit convicts you if you need to be convicted of it. But the amount of time you just spent speaking with someone near you about the definition of prayer is most likely, on average, double the amount of time you have prayed today. Aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> Why do we pray? Why do we, we pray? Okay, first of all, we pray because it's commanded, right? We pray because God has said to us in Colossians 4, devote yourselves to prayer. In Philippians 4, verse 6, don't worry, but in everything, through prayer and um, supplication, present your request to God. Or 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, pray constantly. And I know nobody's sitting here like, oh, that was it. We're supposed to pray. I didn't know that. Thank you. I'm so glad I came to church today. And I don't want to harp on the, you're commanded to, so you should. I don't want to harp on that. I don't want to ride the guilt train because shame and guilt really uh, aren't enough of a motivator to get you to pray. They actually push us away more than they draw us near. Instead, I just want to remind you of, of another reason, and it's the reason I want to focus on. There's a number of reasons, but there's one specific reason I want to focus on this morning as to why we pray. And then share a little bit of what Jesus said about how we're supposed to pray. That one reason that I want to focus on is we pray because of the incredible privilege it is to pray. God hears you. And he welcomes you. I mean, think about um, the, the, uh, Moses writing in Deuteronomy 4. He says, for what great nation is there that has a God so near to it? As the Lord God is to us, whenever we call to him. 
Think about the incredible privilege it is to pray. Think about uh, in the same words and response of David in Psalm 139 as he beheld the majesty of the sky and he said, man, what is man? What is man? And that was before the Hubble telescope. That was before space exploration. That was before he knew some of the things we now know. And yet he was still brought to his knees saying, How good do I have it? God wants to hear from us. God wants to hear from us. Let me uh, draw your attention there in Luke chapter 11. I'm not going to go through all of it very specifically, but but Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's just talked through what the Lord's Prayer is, and we're going to talk about that in a few moments as well. And as he's speaking to his disciples, he says this. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 5. He says, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight, and says this to him, hey, would you lend me three loaves of bread? Okay, now, um, there's a lot of things to assume. Assume, I think it's funny that Jesus says, now, suppose one of you has a friend. So evidently he looked at the disciples like, now let's just pretend one of you actually had a friend, right? Yeah, let's just pretend. And one of, at midnight, you go to that friend. At midnight, you're not talking a convenient time, you're talking the middle of the night. You knock on his door, you're like, hey, can you give me three loaves of bread? Because that's a really appropriate ask at midnight. And the reason's great. Well, I had another friend of mine come on a journey, and I don't have anything to offer him. So now basically it's like, I wasn't prepared, so could you help me out? I mean, that's pretty obnoxious, isn't it? Think about the the obnoxiousness of that request and, and what that would feel like. And this friend from inside the door says, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children and I have already gone to bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. Jesus says, I tell you, that even though that guy will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness. Ooh, did that work its way into any of your definitions? Shameless boldness. He will get up and he'll give him as much as he needs. The picture is this. He is knocking on the door at midnight and the guy inside's like, listen, we're all in bed. Quiet it down. You're going to wake everybody up. I need, I need bread. I need bread. I need bread. And, and the picture you get as God shares this illustration is because of this man's shameless boldness. He's going to get up. He's going to give him as much as he needs. So I tell you, ask. It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus says, go ahead. Keep knocking. Now, it's funny. Normally, when you hear daddy say something like that, that's a threat. Yeah, go ahead. Ask again. Right? But here, our heavenly father says, no, you keep asking. You keep knocking. There's this um, fantastic, fascinating verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. And and, and God is saying this. He's saying, listen, Jerusalem, I, I have posted watchmen on your walls they are going to pray day and night continually take no rest all you who pray to the lord and that's a fantastic thing right there you should pray with fervency and energy and enthusiasm you just keep on knocking you just keep on asking you you be in his presence you continually pray do not rest while you pray but look at verse seven give the lord no rest until he completes his work until he makes Jerusalem the pride of the earth. You just keep 
knocking. The privilege is ours that God hears us, that he wants to hear from us, that he delights in hearing from us. What a privilege that we have been given. How often do we take advantage of it? How often do we take advantage of it? Look at, flip over now, Matthew 6. No paper cuts. Let's see if we can do it. Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is answering to the disciples. He's saying, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Look at, look at chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. So truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, you go into your private room, shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. See, they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. No, don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need even before you ask them. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. So when I'm asked how we are supposed to pray, I'm tempted to just say, hey, it doesn't matter. Just start praying. And and to a degree, that's absolutely accurate, but, but in the truest sense, that's a miss. Because if Jesus starts a passage off like this, explaining how to pray, and he begins the passage off by saying, don't pray like this, then it means that there is a wrong way to pray. Now, don't pray to be seen by others. God already sees you. Don't pray in a way using certain words that you think are going to manipulate God. Don't pray in a way that you feel like if you don't say the right combination of words, the lock won't open. Your words aren't going to convince God, he already knows what you need even before you open your mouth. Now, let me take a little sidestep here. I don't have a lot of time for sidesteps, but I need this one. Man, it is a great thing that God knows what we need even before we open our mouth. Because there are so many times in life you don't even have the words for what you need. There are times in life you hit circumstances where you, you bow your head in prayer or, or you assume whatever posture you use for prayer that is the most meaningful and helpful for you to focus on the King of kings and Lord of lords as you are speaking to him in that divine privilege he has given to you. And as you sit before him, you're on your knees, your hands are open, your eyes are closed, and it's... I got nothing. I don't even know how to pray for this. It's all of the emotions all at once and praise God he knows what we need even before we ask. Because even in that moment, maybe even especially in that moment, Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit takes the groanings of our soul and carries them to the ears of our loving Father. Thank God that he knows what we need before we even ask. Thank God that the Psalms, particularly Psalm 34, Psalm 51, remind us constantly that God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the one who is crushed in spirit, even if they don't have the magic mantra words to say to try to manipulate him to answer his prayer. 
I'm telling you, if there's a wrong way to pray, then there's also a right way to pray. And when I say right way to pray, I don't mean there's a specific form, a structure that you must pray. You've got to dial the phone with dear Heavenly Father. That's not what this means. Okay? And half of you are like, what does dial the phone mean? I just realized that. Yikes. What Jesus does for us in the Lord's Prayer is he gives us a model. He gives us a, a pattern. He, he, in his essence, does this. And I, you guys know me. I am not that musical. That is really underselling how bad I am. But there is a melody that goes to a good song. And, and before you can add, I mean, I, our, our worship team is amazing. We have some of the most gifted musicians that we are just blessed beyond measure when it comes to music. Right? Amen. That's right. Amen. So, you're welcome, Jeremy. Um, but I think it's amazing. Some of the things they do, you're like, how do they do that? You know how they do that? They master the melody first. You can't add all the fancy har- harmonies and the other things like harmonies. <laughs> there were no words coming, but the Holy Spirit took them and applied them. So there you go. Um, uh, the, the, you, you can't do all that until you have the, the, the melody mastered. I should stick to my notes or I'm going to mess it up. And what Jesus is doing is saying, here, let me, let me give you the basics. Let me give you the, what you need to know. Okay? Just let me give you what you, you need to know. When you pray, remember who it is you're praying to. Our Father. Oh, man alive. If you have any understanding of who God is, to be able to call him Father should absolutely make you weep. And think about how revolutionary this was to the people at the time. They wouldn't even speak his name. They wouldn't even write his name. And yet, because of Jesus, we have a boldness the boldness of a little child coming into the presence of daddy and just saying, dad, papa, I know you hear me. I know you're patient with me. I know you're wise and I know you listen to me and I know you long to hear those things. Remember who it is you're praying to. Remember what the point of life is all about. Our father the, in heaven. Now that's not his address, in case you're wondering. It's, 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 a picture of his authority. The one, Father, in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Father, I want you to be the one that everybody sees. I want to highlight you so that everybody around me sees you. I think too many times in prayer, and I think that's why Jesus lays out the how not to pray. Too many times in prayer, we want to be made much of. We want to be the ones who are heard. And Jesus was very clear. You pray like that, you've already got your reward. I hope it was worth it. That the idea of making much of yourself while you are speaking to your Father in heaven, whose name is supposed to be the one that gets the glory, that's like going to a birthday party and demanding your own gift. It's like going to a concert and hoping the, the spotlight will somehow shine on you. It's like going to a wedding and having the bride walk down the aisle, and as everybody stands to honor her, you sit there with your arms folded and pouting. Why, she's so special. I pray none of you have been at a wedding like that. But if you have, I would have forgiven you if there was a little bit of a, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. 
And yet we try to steal his glory regularly because we want it to be about us. He says, no, 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 when you pray, you are praying to your father. You are praying to the, the matchless authority in heaven. Your primary job is, no matter where you are, no matter how cheap the seat is that you are sitting at the concert, your job is that the person on the stage who is performing after all of the work, all of the practice, is the one who gets the applause. Your job, no matter how cheap the seat is in here, <laughs> your job as you bow your head in prayer is that God himself would be the name, the one the Holy One who gets the attention. Your kingdom come. Man, that, that's our passion. That's our goal. That's our desire. We, we want to see God's kingdom continue to grow. God's kingdom grows through the gospel declaration. And that declaration is very clear and very simple. We're in a lot of trouble. We are all sinners. And God is going to judge sin and it doesn't matter what you do or who you know or how much money you give or how many times you might get baptized or how big a Bible you carry. It doesn't matter how moral you live. It doesn't matter that you don't do certain things and do certain things. It doesn't matter how other people view you. Because of your sin, you are separated from God. And there's nothing you can do about it. But the gospel declaration is, even in your sin, God loved you. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for you. And he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross where you should have died so that you and God might be reconciled. We long for that message of hope, that gospel declaration to push the kingdom into the darkness so that the light might be seen. But there's another piece of it too. Your kingdom come. We want to see his kingdom advance through the darkness here in this, this foreign land that we live in. But we also long for that day. where you don't bow your head and close your eyes because you think it's the appropriate way to pray. But you fall to your knees and cover your face because of the blinding glory of the King of Kings who is standing before you. We long for that day. And as you pray, that should be what drives you, what motivates you, how you pray. God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done here on earth like it is in heaven. I want your will to be done here on earth like it's in heaven. Hey, guess what? There are no arguments in heaven about who gets to make the final call. There's only one on the throne. He decides it all. There's no friction. I want your will to be done. Do you? Do you? Do you really want God's will to be done in your life. Because when you pray that, that means even if your greatest desire, your longing heart, your wants, your requests aren't answered the way you want them to be. Listen, man, do not, do not treat God like a cosmic genie who's going to arrive on the scene when we recite the magic mantra and give you your three wishes. And we think that way too often. Our kids think that way too often. And I know you might be sitting there, mom and dad, thinking, not my kids. I'm sorry. Our kids think that way about God and prayer. The problem with that magic genie concept, well, what does the genie call you when he pops out of his lantern? Master, I promise you God ain't calling nobody master. 
And so what you have done is now made yourself the one who needs to be served. No, God, your will be done. I can offer my requests. I can be fully confident that he is hearing me, that he delights in hearing me, and I can be confident that he is answering them. He answers prayer in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. But I promise you, I promise you, you can yield to his answer when you rest in knowing this. If you knew what God knows about your situation, you would ask God for exactly what you have right now. There are a number of different acronyms out there for prayer. You've got the ACTS acronym. So when you pray, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That is a beautiful model. Moms and dads, for your kids, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. If they're having trouble grasping that, then just boil it down for them. Adoration, wow. Confession, I'm sorry. Thanksgiving, thank you. Supplication, please. It's a fantastic model of, of prayer. Another um, one that actually has been very helpful for me is, because is, I'm very simple, is pray. You praise, you repent, you ask, and then you yield. Are you able to yield? Are you able to trust that what God has in mind for you is better than what you have in mind for yourself? So, so what are your next steps when it comes to prayer? It could be a number of things. Maybe, maybe you write out your prayers to make it more intentional. Maybe, um, maybe you download this app. I use an app to help in my prayer time, my personal prayer time. I'm not embarrassed by it. I love it. It is actually, <laughs> it sounds like a cheap commercial. It has revolutionized my prayer time. It, it sounds awful, but it really has changed the way I pray. It's made me more consistent. It's called Prayer Mate. The information is on page 47 in your Next Steps book. We're going to post some information about it throughout the week on Facebook and show you how to use it. It is uh, an easy way to not just track prayer requests, but it's an easy way to be reminded to pray throughout the week for specific situations or individuals. So maybe that's your next step. You're going to download the app. Maybe your next step is that you're just going to pray each morning and evening. Good. Maybe you're going to make it your goal to ask one person every week for a specific prayer request. How can I pray for you this week? Now, let me, let me give you a little, little insight here. If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them and you don't, you're a liar. Amen? Amen. All right. Liars. <laughs> Very aggressive. Sorry. <laughs> I think they were more aggressive than I was. But So here, here, how can I pray for you this week? And they tell you, cool, let me pray for you right now. And then pray for them throughout the week. So maybe that's your next step in prayer. Maybe, maybe you'll learn how to pray through Scripture. We're going to post some information about that uh, online um, uh, this week as well. We're going to practice that this week as well together. Lots of different ways to do that. I, I'm, when I close in prayer, I'm going to walk through Psalm 23 with you, and, and, and I'm going to pray through Psalm 23. And, and just, that's just something. If you pray God's Word back to God, you are, can be very confident that you're praying according to God's will. Right? Okay, see that. Um, two very specific things for us, and I should have gotten more information about the sign-up on this one, but I did not. This week, uh, we are going to do a 24 hours of prayer. It's going to begin Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. It's going to go to Thursday evening at 7 p.m. You can sign up for half an hour slots, 
in chunks. We are going to send out a whole mass of ways that you can be praying, specifically for the people within our church and for Uniontown Bible Church, and that God's kingdom would be advanced through the work and ministry of Uniontown Bible Church. And we're going to lay that out there for you. But it's half-hour chunks. We would love to get you all signed up for that. Um, that you can find that on Facebook for sure, our website as well uh, for sure, but you'll be looking for more information about that. You can stop at Connections and ask them as well. Um, finally, at the end of that, at 7 o'clock on Thursday night, we're going to gather, whoever can, we're going to gather here at 7 o'clock on Thursday night, and we are going to celebrate that we have a God who longs to hear from us. We're going to celebrate that he has already answered the prayers that have been offered to him in that previous 24 hours. We're going to celebrate that we have a God who, who knows us and loves us and will give us exactly what we need, even though sometimes we question if it's what we want. Let me, let me um, close with one thing out of Matthew chapter 6 before we pray. This is um, something that I found astonishing, and I'm still wrestling with this. When you see the model of prayer that Jesus lays out, <laughs> notice that all of the pronouns are plural. So last week we talked about growing with God's people. The model prayer that Jesus laid out for his disciples is guys, do this together. It's our Father. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we, that's the plural we, have forgiven our debtors. Don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Ladies, gentlemen, young men, young women, God has called us to live life in community as we pursue Jesus Christ. God has called us to grow with God's people as we enjoy his presence together. We need to be praying with each other, for each other, because that is a gift that he has given to us. So, so what I want to do right now, and, and it's not, I, I fear that I'm going to violate Matthew 6, honestly. When you pray, don't use words so that everybody hears you. Um, that's actually my motivating factor most times when I say to you, hey, listen, prayer is not a spectator sport. You're supposed to be doing it where you are. Um, so with, with that in mind, I'm going to be very cautious and careful about this. I want to close this portion of our service together out of Psalm 23. So if you want to take your Bibles and go there, you, you can. And <laughs> so <laughs> I, I can show you all. It's almost like a, I, yeah, it's terrible. It's tacky. I don't want to be tacky. I don't ha this isn't in my notes um, because I, I didn't want to pre-program this and then really violate Matthew chapter 6. What I want to do is pray out of Psalm 23 with you. And I think what you'll find is you pray God's word. It, it is not just reciting the verses back, but it's allowing God's word to model and shape and form how you talk to him. And so enough about talking about it. Let me just pray Psalm 23 before we transition to our, our observing of communion together. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for being my shepherd. Thank you for being the one who walks along with me, who points me the direction I'm supposed to go. Thank you for being the one who is more concerned about keeping the enemy away than any other. Thank you that in you, that I have exactly what I need. Father, I pray that as you meet my needs, I would be more and more aware of the perfect gifts you've given to me. 
Father, I, I ask you to forgive my complaining spirit, my lack of being content with the perfect gifts you've given me. Instead, Father, may I wash in the fact that I have exactly what I need. Thank you for the peace that I can have in resting after feeding. <laughs> Thank you for the gift of naps. God, I can't wait for this afternoon's nap. <laughs> Thank you for, although the world around me is just a whirlwind, that in you I have rest. Thank you for renewing me. Thank you for a fantastic time last night going out with my wife. Thank you that you have just fulfilled every expectation and then some with, 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 with our relationship. And God, I pray you'd continue to do that. Father, I pray that your presence and your gifts and your kindness and your mercy and your grace in my life would continue to renew me. I pray that you would lead me exactly where I need to go and when I need to go there. And then for his name's sake, God, please, I pray you would get me out of the way. Would you please only allow me to be a mirror? Uh, sorry, a window, not a mirror. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, may it be about you. Thank you for the promise that in difficulty you are with me, that you won't let me wander too far, that you'll continue to nourish me and care for me in those times. I thank you. I thank you that right now I don't feel like I'm in the darkest valley, but I thank you that right now I'm confident that when those moments come, because they will, that you will be with me. God, I thank you that you are so strong, so powerful, so able, that you set a place setting for me face to face with the ones who would want to do me harm. And I can sit there knowing I don't have to be afraid. God, I, I, I look at my family. I look at our church family. I look at what you are doing. Father, I thank you that we continue to reap the blessings and benefits of our cup overflowing with your goodness, not our greatness, your goodness. And I know for the rest of my life, because I am in Jesus Christ, it's only goodness it's only faithful love. It'll never be anything less. And then someday, someday we will live in your house and see you face to face and celebrate the good and wonderful gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We look forward to that day and we thank you for that gift. It's in Jesus' matchless, wonderful name I pray. Amen.